0: a special message and you're going to actually hear from our senior leader as well as our worship director. Uh, So it's the uh, it's the Hale morning show. I guess you've uh, Hale afternoon show here. You're going to hear from Steve Hale and Vanessa Hale and it's going to be awesome. I'm really excited about this because you guys have heard Vanessa up here singing But you haven't got to hear her heart. There's something different that happens when somebody gets up here and talks to you than when they sing to you. When they sing to you, they usher you into an encounter with God, and that's between you and God. But when they talk to you, you actually get to get a little piece of their life. So I'm excited that you're going to get to experience a little piece of Vanessa's life because she is such a nutritious and amazing person. It will blow your mind. Um, But I'm also very excited because they are going to be talking about worship today. And uh, it's really great that you guys get to hear this and hear them come together on this because I've gotten to witness Steve over the last nine years be so driven by worship. It is like the engine in his life that keeps him going and, and keeps him pursuing God. And so I don't know if he's actually preached an official worship message here yet or not, um, but... You guys get to have insight into him, what all of us on his staff have gotten to witness over all of this time, and why worship is so important to this church and really one of our core values. So it's a really special day. So why don't you stand and give a warm welcome to Stephen Vanessa? Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a little bit different. We'll have to get used to it
2: together, and uh, I feel like we're preaching to the choir the way you just worshipped, so uh, I don't know that we can teach you anything, but we can exhort, and we're going to talk a b- little bit about the why behind our worship, and why we do some of the things we do, and, and where we're going as a worship community, and uh, you get to hear from Vanessa today, and you, uh, you get to see a piece of uh, someone we love and cherish. She's, she is a nutritious person, she's a positive person, she's a loyal person, she's a light. And she is so aligned with, I think, what the Lord's trying to do here, what, uh, what uh, Bill Johnson, our apostle, is doing, what we're doing as a team, what Lindy and I are doing. So she is, she's in it and she's here for you. And your life is going to be richer because of what she carries in worship. You just got richer as she became our worship pastor. So y'all welcome Vanessa.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Mm -hmm. Love you. Um, When I was preparing for this message, you know, I've kind of been thinking about it all month. But last week when I was driving into work, probably around Monday, I was just kind of worshiping the car on my way in and had my thoughts kind of in the back of my head and, you know, I I saw this picture of Lindy and she was pressed up, it was like a big brick wall, and she was pressed up against it and I could tell she was pressing in for something but she looked so peaceful on her face, like she just was leaning in and she she was plowing away but she looked so, so peaceful. And all of a sudden, the brick wall turned to a wall of water and it began to rush all over our property, all over the city of Atlanta, all over just the nation and beyond. And I felt like while I was driving into work thinking about this talk, God said, you know, he kind of just created an invitation for me of, instead of worrying about what you're going to say, why don't you just press into that wall and just expect great things to happen? And no matter what comes out of your mouth, and no matter how it's said, just believe that you're going to be laying a foundation for the greatest wave of worship the world has ever seen. Wow! So, <laughs> yeah, it was so it was so good, and um, yeah, I just felt I just felt a peace about it, and. And then I also, after that, I just kind of started shaking, and I hadn't had any coffee, but I felt like I had like three cups of coffee, because <laughs> I was like, this is huge, and it became so real in me, and all week I've been brewing on this, and so that's really just the heart for today, that um, and I just invite you to believe that with Steve and I, that Bethel Atlanta will be a part um, of laying a foundation for the greatest wave of worship the world has ever seen. So,
1: yeah, yeah.
3: so Stephen, I really just want everyone to leave today with a higher level of thinking about worship with a raised personal responsibility to be a worship leader and a greater expectation for worship in our community. So that's the goal today. We're going to tell a little bit about our histories and tie in, you know, our worship histories to that. Talk about, like Steve said, the why that we worship. We do so much in this culture that we just do, but we're going to dive into why do we do this. And then just make some declarations for the future of worship at Bethel Atlanta. So Bill Johnson says, see the effect of becoming a worshiping community. It actually shifts atmospheres so others can see clearly his love. And that's so the goal. So I'm going to dive into a little bit of my personal history and tie in kind of worship to all that. I was saved when I was three years old. I remember exactly where I was standing in our family room, and my mom prayed with me. And ever since that day, I've only known the real, tangible love of God, and that's just been my normal for my whole life. Uh, growing up, I remember having times in my room where i go to bed at night and just smiling, like fall asleep smiling, wake up singing, and um, go to bed laughing. And that's just that was just the norm my whole life. I also remember having a love for worship from a very young age. My parents really encouraged me, like, you can be an active participant in this from, like, really little. Like, I wouldn't bring coloring books to church or any of that. It's like, you can take this in from now. And I love that that's such a value here in our culture. I love seeing the kids running around trying to get up on stage, some of them getting up on stage. (laughs) Um, Because it's just, it's such the normal. There's no, we believe that. There's no junior Holy Spirit and that this is just a normal from day one of your life that you are a worshiper. It's what you were created for created for. Um, we have Mike. Mike on the keys back here. <laughs> I just want to say uh, it's it's intentional that he, he's up here. He texted me earlier this week and said, hey, you know, I was kind of feeling like I just play for you guys if you want. And I said, I'd love that. So I told him you just play whatever is on your heart, whatever you feel is going to lay that foundation. So thanks for doing this. So love for worship at a young age. I've also had a love for music from a very young age. I started taking classical piano when I was about six years old and started participating in choruses and all state groups from probably about the time I was eight on all the way through high school. And it really laid a foundation, really just the technical ability, I feel like, to project me into my passion of worship. When I was 13, Matthew Hale, Stephen Lindy's son, along with Kristen Hale, Paul Paul and Nancy's daughter, they were looking for new people to um, participate in the youth worship team, because the seniors were graduating and moving on, and so Matthew reached out to me and said, hey, I know you play piano. Um, How about you come and try out? So I did, and I started playing there, and then eventually singing, and then leading, and then maybe six months to a year later, Paul Spencer, this Paul right here, (laughs) love him. um, He was the worship pastor of Peachtree Christian Fellowship, the church that we grew up in, and he's like, hey, I heard your doing stuff in youth. How about you come do a little something on a Sunday morning? So I said, okay. And I started playing, and then a little while later he said, hey, uh, I heard you sing. How about you start singing? (laughs) And so I said, okay. So I started doing background, and then same thing. Over time, eventually started leading on Sunday mornings there. And being a part of the worship community growing up, and the youth group that Steve and Lindy were pastors over was like such a huge part of my foundation in my life, and just where I spent so much of my time. Saturdays We'd have practices, what, sometimes four to five hours um, on Saturday mornings. Midweek, youth was such a priority. And um, even growing up, we always teased each other as like teenagers. We're like, what kind of teenagers are we? We had these things called Friday night fights where it was (laughs) basically just a worship intercession night at the church. And there was a mic, you know, in the middle of the room. And anyone could come up and say anything or sing a new song. And we just kind of, you know, like flowed and just followed wherever the spirit was going through the night and it was super special, and the youth group was like a major, major part of um, people that would attend those nights, and we'd always, I remember like Joshua, Matthew, and I, we'd always talk after, and we're like, all our friends, I think, are at like football games or concerts. (laughs) What are we doing here? But it was who we are. We loved it, and we go to Waffle House after, and that was our Friday night, so it was a major part, major, major part of my upbringing, and during these times, I developed such a deep love for corporate worship, I also grew really close to Steve and Lindy, they just became like second parents to me, and I just have so many, so many memories of encountering God uh, growing up, and Steve and Lindy built a room above their garage for the youth to come meet in, and I just have so many memories of personal encounters there, of first time trying to sing a new song, and and leading that in their, in their house, and you know, the Ministry school had their first year in that room above their garage, and I was at Tech. The first year of ministry school was my freshman year at Georgia Tech, and um, I remember being kind of bummed, like, oh, "I really wish I could be at that ministry school and just be a part of what they're paving the way for." And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, "You've been a part of paving the way. Like, think of all the years you've put in time in that room, and and you're a part of the story." And I just felt so encouraged, and from day one. The ministry schools had great worship. We had Ben and Pat day one leading worship, and it's just, it's just part of the story, which is really cool. Um, in 2006, Jesus Culture did their first traveling event ever to Peachtree City, and our youth group went, and it was a whole new level of worship, you know, unlike anything I've ever experienced. And I left there, and my heart just felt so alive. And that Sunday, after they had their conference, the team came to Peachtree Christian Fellowship and just kind of did some ministry there. And Kim Walker, now Kim Walker Smith, she was, she was there. And I went up to her after, and I just said, can you just pray for me, anything you have? I would, I'd love to receive it. And I just remembered it was a marking moment. She prayed, like, big prayers, like, God. Every encounter I've ever had, I give to her. Every experience in worship I've ever had, I give to her. The anointing on my life, I ask that you take that mantle and put it on her and let her go further than ever before. And this was before we learned about impartation or anything, but I, like, really believed it. I really received it, and I knew it was a big moment. And years later, they had another Jesus Culture event on the north side of Atlanta, and that morning, Chris Kilala and Kim Walker had to take a vocal rest or whatever. They'd just been on, like, a long tour and Stevie and I ended up filling in for him and in the morning service. And I remember before the first song started, I had this like aha moment of like just remembering when she prayed for me. I'm like, I'm literally standing and filling her shoes right now. And, um, and then years later after that, Blake told me that he started seeing when I was leading worship the same thing in the spirit as when Kim Walker would lead. And he said he'd never seen that before. And so impartation is just real, and that's a a little neat history and part of my story as well. So in the summer between my sophomore and junior year of high school, our youth worship team went to spend a month out in Redding, California for the school of worship. I felt instantly at home there. I loved it. I loved it. It was an amazing experience, and it was just truly a marking summer. We were definitely by far the biggest group that like collectively came and we were super noticeable. So like, it was California, they were all wearing skinny jeans, we were still wearing polos, and there were 15 of us, and we had a 15-passenger van, and Nancy Spencer and Lindy Hale would drop us off at school, and we would literally have sack lunches. We would take turns in the morning making lunches for all 15 of us. We'd have brown bags, and we'd all pile out of the van, and they'd roll the window down and be like, see you after school, and we'd be like, bye! (laughs) And we were like the biggest group, like I said, that collectively went, but it was such a fun summer, and just... Furthered that love for worship and each other in our community. Um, So I came back, finished my last year of high school, and when it was time for me to begin looking at colleges, I decided to go to Georgia Tech, and I, I felt really drawn there. But also, a major factor was I really just wanted to be a part of what was becoming Bethel Atlanta and the the presence that was there and the people that you know just believed that we could create a culture that was more than just a church. It was something going after the kingdom and. You know, you don't make those kind of decisions just for a cool church or just for a cool Sunday morning experience. You make those kind of decisions for, you know, something you're passionate about, something you you believe in. And um, I think that's why people are still being drawn here today. They're passionate about the presence. They're passionate about what God's doing in worship and people that believe things can actually happen in worship. And because of family and we have a word over our house. That is, no matter if it's 50, 500, or 5,000, it will feel like family, and people will tangibly know the presence of God. And I believe it. Uh, when it was time to graduate college, I was working at Chick-fil-A headquarters as an intern, and I, at the end of my internship, I was offered a job, and I loved it there. It was, it's amazing, it's an amazing, amazing company. But I started, amazing company, you work there? That's awesome, yeah, amazing. But I started feeling in my heart like, you know, this is so weird. And I thought for sure I would take a job if I got one offer there. But I started feeling like, you know, I just don't think I'm supposed to be here. And so I started looking at other opportunities and other businesses around the city of Atlanta. But I just started having this feeling. So the Sunday after I got offered the position at Chick-fil-A, Danny and Sherry Silk were scheduled to speak at Bethel Atlanta. And that Saturday night before the Sunday morning, I had a dream, and in the dream, Danny was saying straight to my face, you need to do whatever lines up with your dreams, and you need to follow the favor on your life. And I woke up, and I was like, okay, and I I felt like that was something in line with worship, but I, I didn't quite know what that would look like. And the next morning, he spoke at church, he gets his PowerPoint up, you know, he uses his PowerPoints, and the title of the message was, Follow Your Favor. and. From that point on, I felt like everyone else left in the room, and he was talking right at me, and I was totally Mm -hmm. attentive, and I was like, okay, what are you doing, God? What are you doing, God? And later that week, I set up some time to talk to Steve just to kind of get some business advice, a couple different offers I had on the table, and that was kind of when he discovered, like, oh, you may not work at Chick-fil-A, and so we kind of left that conversation. That conversation was at ministry school, actually, on the Tuesday night, the last night they were... They were in town before they were leaving, and it was just the time of he, could meet, he could meet during the break. So he invited me to come, and I came, and we talked. And then at the end of the night, he said, you know, I'm going to take Danny and Cherry home. They've got an early flight, um, and his assistant is still selling product. Do you mind just staying a little bit and helping him out and then just bringing him back to my house after? And I said, yeah, sure, no problem. So later that night, helped him bring all the product in, and then I found myself sitting around the kitchen table with the hails and the silks, they were telling me about a position that Bethel Atlanta needed to have filled and I kind of left like that house that night in a haze like what just happened and okay like, what, what am I doing and um, but I left feeling so alive and my spirit was like buzzing and I just kept thinking I'm going to be a part of something that I so believe in and I'm going to be a part of something that I get to put so much time into worship and I was just I was so excited and that's kind of the rest is history. Worship's been kind of that pulling force in my life, and um, I've had a lot of positions at Bethlehem. I was originally hired to be the HR director and project manager, and kind of moved on and added in the role administrative director, and those were my degrees at, at Tech, and it was great to be able to use that in, in this ministry where I was so passionate. Um, and then I got to serve on the first-year team with Jen for a few years, and it's been so much fun, and I have loved all of it, but in this spot, I've never felt, more like I was in what I was created to do, and just so passionate about what I'm doing, so I just, I feel so alive in this spot, so that's a little of my history, and how, and how I got here, and now we're going to go both kind of tag off each other in a little bit of our why we worship, so first and foremost, we worship Jesus because of his worth, it's, it's a value statement, it's an act of placing value on something, and Paul, all the time growing up, would tell us, you know, everybody's going to worship something or someone. And you go to a rock concert, they're worshiping something. You see people in their life and what they're pouring their lives out for, you know, they're, they're pointing their worth at something. And worship, just living a life of worship, it's a value statement, and it's because of his worth. First Chronicles 16, 23 through 25 says, sing to the Lord, all the earth, proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. We also worship because it's what we were created for. And it's what internally transforms us. I just, I know there's certain times where we're all in worship together. And I have these like thoughts of like, I've never felt more alive. Like, and I realize, I feel like I'm tapping into something of, Yeah, because this is what you were created for. Like this is this is why you're alive, Um, and so I think that's a normal feeling. And you know, true worship is when we become the sacrifice, and when we become the sacrifice, we become like what we're looking at. So we actually are transformed. We're made into His image. And I kind of had this thought one day, like God, like I kind of see worship like maybe one of Your top love languages. Like maybe that's just how how You love to be loved. And He's like, Yeah, totally. And then I kind of this thought, but isn't it so like you that you would create a way for us to love on you that actually benefits us and benefits our souls? Like how good are you that what, where you receive love and where you can pour out your love back on us, it actually transforms us. We worship because we love him and it's a response out of our relationship with him. He is not looking for worship alone. He is looking for worshipers. Um, Bill pointed this out once in a message I heard, and he said, you know, he never asked in the Bible for worship. He doesn't say, come worship me. He says he looks for the worshipers. In John 4, 34, he says, but an hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. It's relational. It's an intimate exchange. It's a lifestyle of being close to him, a worshiper. It's it's that day-to-day versus just an act versus just a transaction because you know he's not like in need of our verbal affirmation or our songs or our acts he's like totally confident in who he is like he knows he's the king of the universe but he's so in love with us and it's like he so loves this relational exchange that we have in the day-to-day and it's neat because I kind of imagine it Monday through Saturday each of us have our own intimate relationships with him. Each of us are living like this. And then Sunday, we get to come together, and it's like an opportunity for a huge celebration of our love. Like, we get to come all together and be like, I've had this Monday through Saturday, and now let's come together and celebrate it. Like, let's celebrate our love for him. And then in turn, he turns around and celebrates his love for us, and it's like Steve calls these these non-vicious, vicious vicious cycles. Like, it's this feeling of this is so good, and it just keeps spiraling uh, into, into this great place so a few notes on why music uh you know anything we do for god and out of relationship with him is an act of worship like some people i think you know in in the christian world think of worship just being this hour on sunday but worship does not equate music like we've already established worship is this lifestyle and it's part of reigning in life it's living a life that poured out totally glorifies him but i do think it's special that when we come together corporately, we sing songs to him. I think it's really special. Um, You know, the Bible says, sing to him a new song and enter his courts with praise. But I also love beyond just the Bible telling us to, I feel like um, it points towards his creative nature that we make art and that we sing songs and we make music and we sing to him a new song because he is the perfect creator and we are created in his image. So it's only natural that we love creating, that we love music, that, that we love just the, the art side of this and that we come together and worship in that way. Our team often, when we pray before we come out on stage, often many of our musicians will be like, God, thank you for music. I just love it. I love it. And I love that they pray that. Like, I love that they're like, thank you. I get to, I get to pour out my love for you on this drum. Nathan Slusser is one of the passionate, most passionate, you know, people, they're all just incredible, but on this team, he literally will walk off the drums most Sundays just with tears running down his face, and he said, I
4: love that I got to play music, I love that I get to do this for Jesus, and it's just, it's so sweet,
3: and it just so points to his, his creative nature, and that, that brings that side out of us, um, I also feel like music can actually affect the brain and help truths go to the core of our souls. So in Romans twelve two, we are told, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. This is renewing your mind. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And, um, scientists have actually proven that there are very few activities in life that activate your whole brain and music is one of them it utilizes every area of your brain and a a group of researchers found this tool called functional magnetic resonance imaging and they used it to record the brains of a group of people that were listening to music and they found that listening to music recruits these auditory areas and employs what they call large-scale neural networks in the brain And they have said and make statements that music can activate emotional, motor, and creative areas of the brain. Um, They have proven that music can affect your physical heartbeat as well and also release and alter chemicals in your brain. And many doctors now are prescribing music to help treat patients with Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, people with anxiety and depression um, because it stimulates brain neurons that translate restoration of movement, loss of things like speech and so many, so many other things. Um, and then there's this doctor, his name's Dr. Omoto, and he did this study, how music affects water and what that really means to us. I was kind of talking through this talk with Steve beforehand yesterday, and I was like, Steve, is this too many scientific facts? And he's like, we're kind of both tech nerds, so yeah, it's fine. Keep <laughs> throwing it in there. So <laughs> this is the last one though. Um, so words and music were proven to affect your brain in different ways, and what they would do is they'd play this positive music um, over a group of just water structures, and then they'd speak positive words and even write positive things on the test tube and see how that turned out, and they'd turn in these, like, beautiful crystals, and then they would play, like, this dissonant and rough um, music and then write words on the test tube, like, hate, and um speak negative things and they would be all fragmented and like totally jagged what was cool is they found that they could still go back and do the opposite speak the positive over the jagged crystals and they would turn beautiful again so there's never never too late never lost hope anything can change but it was just neat to tie at the end of the study they tied that our bodies are 70 percent made up of water and so when the bible says that there is power of life and death in the tongue We got to believe it, that there's 70% of us is made of this, (laughs) of water, and that there's actually physical, we could be fragmented or beautiful crystals, and so I think it's amazing when we come into worship, a lot of times we're singing truth over ourself of who He is and who He says we are, and these things are, like, doing things in our body, and beyond just creating, like, core, core truths in our soul, I believe people will see we've seen it, and people will continue to see physical healings, emotional release in worship, and we're just, we're believing and going for that, so that's a little bit of my why, and Steve's going to tag on a little bit more.
2: Yeah, isn't she great? Yeah. <laughs> you can kind of pick up on her spirit, and so, you know, a couple of terms that get lost, I think, in worship uh, that are tough we talk about glory a lot and the presence I thought you know what would it be like for someone to come in our environment who's never heard those words or someone who came in our environment that English was a second language I think they're tough words and what do they mean so let's talk a little bit about glory Um, Bill Johnson says that glory is the manifest presence of King Jesus isn't that beautiful I had a testimony from the first service a young lady that's been with around here for years, she, she said, you know, I came in with a bad attitude today. And when you guys kept quoting Bill Johnson, it felt like, felt. you know how when you're home and maybe you, one of your home meals is macaroni and cheese? And it's really good, but you get tired of it after a while. She was feeling like Bill Johnson was macaroni and cheese. <laughs> and um, just had a lousy attitude. But she came, uh, she's had some elbow bothering her and she came to get healed today. And as Vanessa said, corporate worship, her elbow got healed. Her attitude was so bad she didn't believe it and she was trying to aggravate it. (laughs) So I'm going to quote Bill Johnson a couple times, I hope it's okay. but Romans eight twenty nine is one of the great verses on glory. And Romans 8 is one of the great chapters in the whole Bible. And it says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. So we could stop there and worship forever. Like those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son." So you're here at church today, you know the Lord, and your destiny is to be conformed to the image of His Son. Wow. It says, you know, in, in heaven, the angels, they just stop and just go crazy worshiping. I, my, my vision of that is that, that God is, He's like this unlimited, faceted diamond And in heaven they see another aspect of God they'd never seen before. And they fall down and worship. And it just goes on forever and ever. But we've been conformed to the image of His Son. And those whom He predestined, He called. And those He called, He also justified. And those He justified, He also glorified. It feels like an assembly line. You know, you're just walking in the beginning of this thing and you end up at the end glorified. Our destiny as believers is that we'll all end up glorified. And what do we call it? It's the manifest presence of Jesus. Your destiny is to be with him. If you got in a a raft in the Chattahoochee this afternoon and floated for days, you'd end up in Apalachicola and a beautiful oyster bed. If you got in the raft in the Spirit and just let it take you to your destiny, you end up glorified in the manifest presence of Jesus. That's your destiny. That's how. That's why we can sing, "He's a good, good Father." You started in a place in the garden. You, in Adam, the first, the first Adam. And you had intimacy with the Father face-to-face. The presence of God is related to the Hebrew word face-to-face. Adam and Eve had relationship face-to-face in his presence. We lost it in the fall. We regained it in Jesus, in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and our belief in him, that we were in him as he rose from the dead. We regained the ability... To know him, to worship him, to be on now, a destiny to be glorified. And our destiny is face-to-face. Where we started in the beginning, we're ending. But we're in this zone where Jesus has paid the price, the finished work. And so why do we worship? One is he calls us priests. In Isaiah 60, he's prophesying. He said, they'll be priests. Priests. And in this scripture, if you'll look with me, he calls you a royal priesthood in 1 Peter 2 9. He says that you are a royal priesthood. And for the sake of time, I'm gonna just let you go there. But we don't bring a sacrifice like they did in the old covenant. They would bring grain offering, they would bring a lamb offering they would present that before the lord we don't do that anymore you're the offering they used to bring an offering of incense you're the fragrance your life as you bow down as you take a knee and you serve the lord and you're saying you're my king and you're my god i'm giving my life for you and to you i'm I'm worshiping. I'm so thankful for what you did on the cross. I'm thankful that glory is my destiny. And I'm thankful that you have loved me so much. You want me. You're pursuing me more than I'm pursuing you. My destiny is there. And I'm, worship- I'm becoming, as I lay down my life, we're becoming a fragrance. And we are the worship. You're the worship. As sons and gods Sons of God and daughters of God, the Most High. Another reason we worship is so that we would be transformed, as Vanessa said. So turn with me to 2 Corinthians 3, one of the great verses on being transformed, 3.18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as from the Lord the Spirit. So you're becoming like the one you gaze upon. They talk about um, as you get older uh, you end up looking like your spouse. Have you seen spouses start to look more and more alike? My wife isn't very happy about that fact. Some reason this week, I, just an aside, I, I got on. People who look like their dogs, Google that sometime. <laughs> it is unbelievable. <laughs> There's a canine mimimi phenomenon go around, but we, we, but we become like the one we behold. That 70% water starts transforming. As we gaze upon, as we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we gaze upon the Lord, glance at the other stuff. And we gaze upon the Lord, we become like the ones we behold. We're being transformed into the image of our Son, of the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I just have a heart for worship. Um, I have a heart for corporate worship. You can hear God's voice so many ways. He speaks to all of us in unique ways. As many people are in this room, He speaks to you in a way that's different than me. And they're all beautiful. They're all equally good. He can speak through you through nature. Sometimes He'll speak to me through just reading His Word. He'll speak to me often through you, through divine coincidences. Two or three people saying the same thing. I'll say, okay, God, what are you trying to tell me? He'll speak to me through my wife. Not many amens from the men (laughs) in the crowd. He'll speak to me from my wife, through my wife. He'll speak to me through nature. He'll speak to me through so many divine coincidences. But one of the most precious places he speaks to me is right here with you. And you're a part of that because if you didn't show up, it wouldn't be the same. This corporate, this corporate moment we had even today, where those of us who've uh, known Alan for so long and are grieving for him in worship, we, you know, we found about a, a common voice. We we linked arms and we sang for our brother. That wouldn't have been the same without worship. And you joined us and helped us. Those of you who don't know him. We had a moment today. I couldn't have had that moment without you. That girl got healed when Vanessa said corporate. There's something in the corporate worship. And in that place, I feel heaven does invade earth. I don't hit it every week, to be honest. Some days it's just Thanksgiving. Some days I'm working to get there. Some days I move into praise. But some days I hit worship, and time seems to slow down and i forget about the people around me so when we were at abc i remember one day i totally forgot where the people around me and we were packed in and it was a tight sunday and i somehow lost got lost in worship and i did a 90 degree turn and i was snot faced and crying and there was a girl like right here (laughs) when I finally opened my eyes and it was so awkward (laughs) for both of us. You lose time and you lose space and in that moment you're being fathered and you're known and things are clearer when you hit that moment in the presence You're more courageous. You're prophetic. And you hear his voice. So there's a call on this house. And I didn't realize the connection to worship so completely and how it's a part of being transformed. Uh, One morning, several years ago, I was in worship. And I felt like the Lord said, Just go find some folks who love his presence. Find some people who will be extravagant in worship. Find some people who will hear, his, hear my voice. And when they hear it, they'll run and they'll go do it. It hit me this week preparing this message that that's what's happening in that moment. We're basking in His presence we're worshiping we're hearing him more clearly and he's making us courageous because sometimes what I hear in those moments are the ones that require the most courage but I know it's him and I know it's pure and I know when I'm standing next to you and we've got our phones off and we are directed at a purpose. It's maybe the only hour of the week where you have your phone off. And you've joined a group of several hundred people and said for this time I'm gonna point my heart toward you and I'm gonna gaze on you and I'm gonna lock arms with like-minded brothers and I'm gonna be available and I'm gonna become a, a, a sacrifice. And in that moment Heaven is invading earth. And you're closer to your God and King. And in that moment, we are being transformed. We're gazing upon the one we love, and he's communing with us. He's letting us know that you're known and you're special. why we worship and in that place we're transformed you can't tell me that if you don't get the person that gets in that place a lot isn't growing faster than the one who isn't it's worth fighting for So another reason we worship is Psalms 100. And in the message, it's pretty special. You know, a cool way to study the Bible would be to get, get your favorite traditional version like a King James or a New American Standard. And then get a, ma- a message Bible and a trans, passion translation and just flow between the three and see if the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to you. But in the Message Bible, he says, get on your feet now. Applaud God. Bring a gift of laughter. You know, when Toronto in the 90s, laughter started coming through the church. It was very awkward for many people, even though it's in the Bible. We have people who are quick to laugh in the church and we'll never want to stop that. Bring a gift of laughter. Sing yourselves into the presence. How good is that? I've stood here before and not felt like being here and not feeling it and wishing I was somewhere else and I would be swept away by you. And the worship team, and I would sing myself into the presence. Know this God is God. He's the God who made us. We didn't make him. We're his people, well tended sheep. Enter with the password. Thank you. Type in on your computer. Enter the password into his presence. Thank you. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise. Why do we worship? We enter his gates. We lift up our heads, O ye gates. So we want to talk about our heart that... um, we believe with your help we could be a worshiping community like no other like no other on the planet i've experienced worship here over the last nine years like no other time in my life i've been at big fancy conferences and wished i was at home i've been at reading and wished i was at home because there's something about our family locking arm, worshiping together. And I'll tell you, I want to just tell you some of my litmus tests, some of the things that I feel like the Lord has put on my heart that as they're happening, we're going there. And it's as if, if, if you would let Vanessa and I help lead. As we're sharing these things, if you'll respond, we'll get there faster. Let us leave. We'll get there faster. One of those is, I'm looking for the back row to worship as intently as the front row. Now I say that saying that I could could be sitting on the back row quietly and have my heart exploding for the Lord and I could be dancing right here and have no heart for it right so you can't always judge but I'm talking about the heart that the heart of our passion for worship would be the same in the back and the front I saw it happening moving back when we were at ABC this is a little tougher setting we're working with it we'll have our own place one day it'll be easier yeah, another thing we look for is uh, it's the Lord, a kiss the Lord gave me is anytime time I ask for a new song, He gives me a new song. Therefore, I believe it's your inheritance too. It's impartable. And so when the worship leaders are asking for you to break out a new song, I want you to try. I want you to do something. I want there to be a whoo in the room. I don't want 10 people to sing a new song. I want everyone. And that we just respond to the leadership of the worship. And so these are the litmus tests that we're going after that's going to help us get there, that we also um, are seeing people saved, healed, and delivered. We have a heart that if everyone will come with a heart of worship, everyone comes early gets ready, and they come full as worshipers all week, that at the first note, the first strum, they're there. What would that worship community look like? I'm coming, having worshipped, I'm coming full. Now I'm sharing it with my family, my excess, my overflow. These are the things that I think are going to get us to a worshiping community Like no other on the planet. There is, there are famous churches for leadership, there are famous churches for salvation or healing. I don't know the famous church. Have you seen that community worship? Bring your friend there. They get saved. The presence of God is thick. You can cut it with butter. I believe in a in a community where every person Believes they're a worship leader. Every one of you. You come in and say, I carry something in worship. I change the atmosphere. I I I change atmospheres just by myself. What would it look like if every one of us carried that personal revelation? That I when I come, worship is better. When I come, it's different. When I come, I affect those around me. So I got this revelation at our old church that many of us are here from Peachtree Christian Fellowship. And I used to sit on the second row behind the pastor. I was an elder there. And uh, Paul Spencer was our worship leader. And raise your hand, Paul, if you will say hi to Paul. And... uh, (laughs) He's, uh, and I can remember we, uh, he was doing a fabulous job with worship, and we were in a season where it felt like we were having trouble getting out of third gear. We wanted to be a six-speed Ferrari, but, you know, third, we were just like high RPMs in third gear, and we weren't getting to fourth. It was like our prayers, our praise wasn't getting through the roof we have wonderful people in a wonderful church and for whatever reason it wasn't happening and I remember one Sunday the Lord said go stand up front and be a worship leader and our culture wasn't like this where people were up front, there was no one up front and so I began to argue with the Lord like I don't want to be that guy, I don't want to you know, stand out, I don't want to act you know, sometimes you give the Lord excuses. He, it's like he doesn't even hear them. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, he's just a go up to the front and be a Didn't you hear all my great excuses? So what do we say? Presence of God, love, worship, hear his voice, radically run to obey. You're transformed in that. So it went up front felt awkward, I was the only one. I was the only one for weeks. I'd stand up and give everything I had by myself. Things began to happen. Nancy was interceding, doing prayer walks around, and Meredith Thomas joined the team, and Paul continued to work and work with the team. people started to come join, slowly come to join. On our last Sunday there that we were sent, I looked around and there were these girls all playing and somebody had a flag and it was like a festival. There was art and it was just packed up front and we were in sixth year at our little church. The Holy Spirit said, look around. It'd be arrogant to say that was all about me. It was a lot of things. But I was a piece of it. My obedience was a part of the breakthrough. And ever since, I've never been able to not come up front. Twelve years, go up front. I just can't, it's, that's... That's the call. And all of you are worship leaders. You have your personal revelation of how you're a worship leader. And watch what he does collectively in our body. We're a great worshiping church. But I, he's whispering in my ear, what if, what if, what if? if?" but it requires all of us, amen? Amen.
3: So good. Um, Just a note on that from the first chord. You know, the worship team really comes ready from the first chord to go all in, and um, I think that's a great challenge. We're, We're ready, and we're ready to go from the first note. And, um, one time Blake shared, I think he even wrote it in his book, The Veil, but he said, you know, whenever I see worship starting, Jesus starts walking around the room and standing in front of every person and he's just there and ready. And he pursues us way more than we ever could imagine that we pursue him. But, you know, I heard that and I thought, I don't want to miss a moment ever. I mean, why would I, why? <laughs> you know, he's standing there from from the moment it starts right in our faces, so, Let's be that community that never misses a moment, never misses a moment, right from right from song one. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to just say one last little thing for a vision that Lindy's been sharing with us and then uh, make some declarations for the future. Uh, Lindy, she feels like God's been telling her, if you go and stand in that field, the field of our property, um, our new property that we have in Tyrone, and if you raise your hands, Thousands of people will join you one day out here, raising their hands and worshiping me, and I believe it. Yes. I believe it.
1: Yeah, I, think yeah, it's, yeah, yeah.
3: I think it's coming. And uh, you know, when when God told me to lay that lay the foundation for the greatest wave of worship the world has ever seen, I, I just kept hearing that thing that Lindy's been telling telling all of us, and and I heard it, and I totally believed it. But it like gripped my heart. It gripped my heart, and I was like, that's gonna happen. And um, she's seen pictures. In her mind, of just people backed all the way up to the interstate. They can't even get down 74 because they're coming. They got to come and yeah. they got to experience what's happening. And and I even saw further uh, beyond that of people just not even near our land, but in the city, just stopping and being like, "What is this?" Or stopping and having a new thought, or stopping and thinking, "I got to call that person and tell them I'm sorry." Or stopping and realizing, "Man, my arm's healed, and I think it's just going to be a wave of this worship that's going to." go over our whole land, our whole city. And, um, you know, I I just keep, I've been walking around singing this song in my head of as goes Atlanta, so goes the South. And as goes the South, so goes the nation. And as goes the nation, so goes the world. And I think our wave of worship is going to be part of that, that just tumbling effect of just so goes the world, just knowing and falling in love with Jesus. So it's coming. We're believing it. Right, Lenny? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's good. So a few uh, final declarations. Bethel Atlanta will be full of worshipers that are passionate. Bill Johnson says to worship in spirit is to mirror Jesus' passion for the Savior. I believe in our worship. People will be instantly saved. They will be caught in that wave, and they will know God because His presence is instantly tangible as He rides in on our praises. I believe at Bethel Atlanta, people will be physically healed in the middle of worship. I believe at Bethel Atlanta, people will gather from all over the world to come experience the atmosphere and the resting presence of God. Music is a cultural change agent, and I believe Bethel Atlanta will write and sing the new songs of revival for the city of Atlanta and beyond. In worship, we will see marriages restored, relationships healed, new ideas and inventions revealed identities being yes. realigned and so much more we will have a culture where people are driven into worship when they encounter problems and struggles in life we experience that today we are driven to the truth of who God was you know for Alan and it's it's huge and um you know I think if that's our response that we're driven into worship and reminding reminding ourselves who God is and who we are it's kind of like we get to sit in his presence and just believe those truths. And he says, I'll handle that over here for you. While you rest in my presence, I'll, I'll handle this over here. Don't even worry about it. Just focus on me. I got this. I can I can kick the devil's butt for a while. And you just stay right here. And I feel like that's what even happened this morning. And um, the, last, the last declaration, whether we are on the mountain or in the valley, we will be a people that always offer our praise. So I just believe that for us. Mm-hmm. And... Um, We're just going to end with a response. If everyone would stand. And we're going to just sing, Lord, I give you my heart. Wrap it up. (laughs) Thanks, Mike. You've been doing so good.
4: (laughs) mm, We don't want to miss a moment. We don't want to miss a moment. Oh, make us a worshiping people from the first notes in our day-to-day, our Monday through Saturdays. We're never going to miss a moment, oh. Oh, we give your hearts, we give your hearts. You might. miss a moment Lord have your way in me,
1: in me. Oh, oh. yeah have your way in me Lord have your way in me let us be people of a new song let us always have a song on our heart. Lord, have your way in me. Let us be a people of praise. Let a people of worship and a people of a new song. We lift our voice to you. We lift. Our voice to you we lift our voice to you let us be that people the people who worship you oh, oh, oh I give you my heart give you my song Lord have your
2: could be a people of wonderful worship. You could usher others into the presence of the King. Your extravagant worship could send 10, 50, or 100 behind you. Do you see yourself as the point of a spear, the beginning of a wake with others? Every time you make the sacrifice of worship, there's 10 following there's one hundred following your sacrifice which friend of yours would come in and sense the presence of God that you helped create we shared some of our past this morning so that you might help shape the future Which friend of yours comes into the presence a year or two from today and falls in the presence of God and gives his life to Jesus? Which one of your friends experiences God for the first time and gives their life to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and have their eternity forever changed? Because you said, I'm going to give a sacrifice of worship, and I'm going to give praise to the King of Kings. I'll come when it doesn't feel like it. I'll come when it's a slow morning. I'll come when it's hard. I'll be a worship leader. I'll change atmosphere at work and at home, in my marriage, I'll be a mouthpiece of praise. I'll be a trumpet for the King of Kings. I'll lift up my voice to the King, the right arm, the valiant one, the holy one, the great I am. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, you everlasting doors. Would you be one? Would you be one who led others? And the Spirit of the Lord will let you see the 10 or 50 or 100 that you affect.
1: says yes, yeah, 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 put a yes in your spirit, put a yes in your heart, put a yes on your lips, yeah, 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 Lord, I give you my heart.
0: Thanks, guys. Will you thank them?